today, uh, as we continue on in our, ser- our fall sermon series, we're talking about faith over fear. And we have a pri- the privilege of hearing from one of our own this morning as they, as a couple, but I think it's just Carla, just you coming up? Yes. All right. They have experienced this, this idea, this thought, this faith over fear. And so Carla's going to come and share a testimony this morning. So please give a round of applause for Carla. Hi. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'm Carla, my husband's Monray. We moved from uh, the UAE about just over a year ago with our two lovely cats. And I think you all know how hard it is to find an apartment when you move to Stockholm. We had, uh, from the beginning, God sent us to Sweden. We didn't know why. Um, but we just decided that this is where we need to be, and we trusted. We got an apartment where we shared with a lady. Uh, she accepted our boys, our cats. Um, we stayed there for, um, how long was it? Six months, I think, no, longer, a little bit longer. And then we found a place where we can stay on our own because we really wanted to settle down, start growing the family, and through church, we found a lovely apartment, a two-bedroom. We stayed alone, obviously. We liked that. The family was planning on moving away for three years, so we had the opportunity to stay in the apartment for three years. Two weeks ago, she came back. She said things in the U.S. is not working out. Uh, they're moving back in November, mid-November. Well, I'm due mid-November, and that caused a little bit of stress, and we decided, well, obviously now we need to move, and we really prayed that before the baby arrives that we actually have an apartment. Um, That's when we started our service with Faith Over Fear, and we reached out to a lot of people, posted online, um, again, through people helping us create the perfect ad, and we got a lot of contacts through the online services. Went and looked at a place, didn't feel like this, this is for us, this is where we need to raise a family, where we need to settle down. Again, yearly lease, you need to be out by a year, and you never know, anything can happen, they can change it before then. And about a week ago, we got uh, a contact through the online app, a guy messaged us here in Nockaby. Now they've got a, a four-bedroom apartment for our price range. Now it's really difficult to find the space we wanted in our price range. I mean, with both teachers, not the biggest, <laughs> you know, salaries. Um, growing family, we want space. Uh, we want to expand, and we decided, you know what? It's a little bit above what we wanted to pay but we just decided let's go and have a look. Looked at the place, really lovely, an older building, but we saw ourselves growing our family there, the opportunity for a longer term to stay there as long as we want. There's no time limit on it. And we went back and forth, had a discussion, prayed about it, and we decided that we're not gonna take the the apartment. Uh, We messaged him, him back, told him that, it's a bit above our price range. When going on maternity leave, you don't get a lot of, uh, you don't get the pay you 
expect. But um, so we told them that we really love this place, but it's not going to work. Next day, I was really like feeling down, praise and worship the whole morning, because it's so hard to trust when you don't see the future and you don't see a way out. And uh, I'm someone who constantly needs to be in control. And not having control of anything at the moment is a bit tough for me to accept. But I just prayed faith over fear. And I knew that something will happen. Monterey is a very positive guy. So he said, we'll find something. We'll find something. I'm like, I can't do that. We, we need to know. And um, the guy messaged back that afternoon. No, they will come down to our price range. And they really want us to stay there. They see us there. So, yes. <laughs> so amazing how God works in our life and when you give up control right Carla <laughs> give up control and allow him to work through our situations it's pretty pretty incredible it's so fun to hear you know I uh, I have a friend that has an apartment in uh, Grandol and that he was lo he, they're looking to rent it out and they're like oh Christian people yes let's so I'm like okay I'll, I'll give her a call and she's like oh we already found one Pastor Brad in so it's it's pretty incredible how God works through uh, our situations and just confirming hey this is our season as a church to choose faith rather than step back in fear of what what God has and so it's it's pretty pretty incredible I'm I'm very it was it was really exciting to hear hear that story and hear that testimony and we look forward to hear you even more testimonies out of the rest of you what God is doing in your life through you choosing faith rather than stepping back in fear last week we uh, talked in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus went up to, to four of the incoming disciples we had Simon Andrew James and John and he called them to follow him and said hey guys you're going to be fishers of men you fish for fish but I'm going to help you to be fishers of people and we realized it and we came to understand even though Mark jumps right into it so fast Jesus calling them we kind of pulled in some of the other gospels and realized Jesus spent some time with these guys beforehand that led us to the conclusion that Jesus spends time preparing us for what is coming and that it's our responsibility then to take advantage of that preparation. Jesus also helped us understand that there is a cost to following him. When Jesus said, hey guys, come follow me, they gave up their livelihood. Andrew and Simon, they had their own fishing business. James and John were employed under their father in the family fishing business. And those four guys gave up the business to follow Jesus. There is a cost. We also understood that fishing is not a 100% success rate. That God calls us followers of Jesus. He calls us to be fishers of people. And I told the story about how I had a great fishing experience, but yet I'm not the fisherman. Why? Because it is not a 100% success rate. Even for me, fishing is not even 50 or even 25% of a success rate. It feels more like it's 5 percent and I just I don't like standing there just throwing my lure out reeling it in throwing it out reeling it in but we as followers of Jesus we are called to do that to just kind of keep putting it out there even though it's not always fun and exciting even though we are not always bringing someone to Jesus we are called to continue to put our faith out there to trust him and to share Jesus with other people so today we're going to continue along that line that there is a cost to following Jesus 
These guys gave up everything in a sense to follow Jesus. And we'll, we're going to understand that these guys had family that they gave up. So today's scripture, we're, we're going to jump down just a few verses from where we were last week. We're in Mark chapter 1. Again, we're going to start with verse 29. So whether you have your electronic version or you have your paper copy, uh, or you just want to focus up on the screen. Mark 1.29 says this, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Verse 32, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, your words would just come alive to us this morning. God, that what you want to say to us would just come out. Even though words have been prepared, Holy Spirit, speak to us today what you want. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So we read in the, this portion of scripture that these guys, uh, Andrew, Simon, James, and John, went with Jesus to Simon's house, where he and Andrew lived. And we read that Simon had a mother-in-law, so that in, gives us the implication we can use our scientific deducting skills. He was married. So that means at least there was several in the house. He had a family. So if we want to back up and, and, and go backwards a little bit to what we talked about last week, these guys had a business. They were fishermen. And so that's the livelihood. That's how they supported this, this household. And so when the two guys working in the house decides to follow Jesus, that's not just going to affect, their, they weren't bachelors. They couldn't just go, hey, it's okay. We're bachelors, not a problem. It's just us. They had a family. They had at least a wife or a sister-in-law and a mother-in-law that they were taking care of. More than likely, they probably had other people in the house as well. They were giving up livelihood to follow Jesus, knowing that it was going to affect these other individuals. When we follow Jesus, our decisions and choices do affect other people. We have had people that have come through this church when they, have, when they chose to follow Jesus, they had to give up everything because of the faith that they previously belonged to forbid them for entering into a relationship with Jesus. And if they did, they were outcast. Now, several of us don't have that experience or don't even really understand what that would be like. I can't understand what that would be like. To, to make a decision to follow Jesus means that I then have to let go of everything else in my life, my family. I mean, being an American living here in Sweden, I've been here seven years, it still is hard, the fact that my family is in the United States. Even though I have such great technology. I mean, when my wife and I first got together some 18 years ago, all we had was calling cards to be able to call each other. And when the money ran out on the calling card, you had to call back and upload some more money before you could call them again. You know, it was like $20, but 
for like a 10-minute phone call is what it felt like. But nowadays, I can just pull out my smartphone. I can hit FaceTime or, or it, you know, video, Facebook Messenger video chat, and we can see each other. And it's just the cost of my phone plan. It's not anything additional or extra. So we get the opportunity through technology to see each other, but yet I still long and I miss my family. I miss my nieces and my nephews. Not being able to go to, you know, football games or soccer or, you know, dance recitals or doing outdoor activities with them like rafting down the river or going on hikes. I miss those things. I miss helping my dad finish his house. But yet, it's the cost of following Jesus to be in the place where that I believe and know God has called me to be. It's not always easy. Because there is a cost to following Jesus. But yet, even in the midst of that, Jesus is not saying, hey guys, you're following me. We can't go back to your house anymore. You got to leave it alone. Jesus said, no, these guys brought Jesus into the midst of the family. We have to realize and understand that even though God has called us to follow him, he doesn't want just specific parts of us. He wants all of us. When he called Simon and Andrew, he said, guys, I want you to follow me, but I still want to influence not just you, but your family as well. So we, we see in this story, we read here that uh, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. They weren't hiding the fact that they had a family. They said, hey, Jesus, my mother-in-law, she's sick. Now for us, when we read the word fever, we're kind of like, okay, take some alvodone, take some Tylenol, go home, go rest, and you'll be okay, right? I mean, that's what my daughter's doing at home today. She's got a, she's got a fever. Hey, honey, take your alvodone, lay down, drink your fluids, you're going to be okay. But for them, they didn't really understand that, that a fever was just, you know, it was okay for the most part. To them, they thought, you know, something bad was going on. So for, for this situation, like, oh, hey, Jesus, we've seen you do some healing already. We've seen you cast out some demons. Hey, my mother-in-law is sick. So they were beginning to piece the puzzle together of the influence that Jesus had and what he could do. So they brought him to her immediately. At this point, Jesus, he's been proving his powers. And so, again, immediately, Jesus engaged in Simon Peter's trust, and he takes him there. And what does Jesus do? So he went up to her in verse 31. It says, so he went up to her, Jesus, went up to the mother-in-law, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Jesus didn't utter any special words. Jesus didn't say, you know, honey, I, I heal you in the name, in the name of my heavenly father, or you are healed. As sometimes we read that Jesus commands the healing to take place. No, he just, just grabs her hand. Just the simple touch of Jesus grabbing her hand. There's power in the touch of Jesus. There's power in his touch. If we can just reach out. Sometimes words don't even need to be said for the power of Jesus to be demonstrated in our life. Yet this also brings up the complicated issue Jesus and healing people. 
I mean, the gospel is full of, of stories of Jesus healing individuals, right? We don't really read a, a, read a story where Jesus goes up to someone and says, mm, not today, I'm not going to heal you today. We don't read those stories. But how often do we feel that kind of a story in our life? Where we have a sickness, whether it's in ourselves, or, or we say, my, my kid is sick, or my, my parents are dying, or this friend has cancer. Jesus, heal their, touch their body, heal them. Lord, your word says that we can be healed because what you did on the cross wasn't just for our sins, but for our healing as well, and we should be healed. In the name of Jesus, I want your healing. I, I claim and I speak and I proclaim your healing. Yeah, sometimes it just, it doesn't happen. We don't always know why. We don't always understand why. And again, it causes complications in our life and thought processes and maybe the mother-in-law is laying in bed going why is this jesus the one that that has called my son-in-law away who's given up the family business how am i going to be taken care of he's coming in here and i don't want to talk to him he's ruining my life he's ruining my daughter's life how many times do parents get defensive about their kids I can only imagine, maybe she's laying in there, maybe half her fever's just steaming mad. We just don't know. But yet Jesus just gently reaches out, grabs her hand and helps her up and ushers healing into her life. It's often complicated to discuss Jesus' power to heal. And we're not gonna really discuss it today much more than we have. We don't always understand why it's not always God's plan to physically heal people. But like Simon Peter, we should always be willing to ask, Jesus, if you're willing, please. Hebrews 4.16 reminds us that let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we, we, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible doesn't promise healing. Though some say the Bible does promise the ultimate healing that when we, are, when we leave this world, we are, we're, when, uh, we're present with the Lord, that is the ultimate healing that oftentimes people will talk about. And, and some find uh, solace in that reality that when our loved ones pass on what, from like cancer, they're going to be with Jesus and there's that ultimate healing but it doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always satisfy the longing and desires that we as humans have. But like he, the writer of Hebrews says, let us then go to God in confidence that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible, while not promising healing, does promise the grace and mercy we need to get through, to, to grow through, to heal through the process of our grief and our pain and our suffering and our loss. Don't always understand why God does what he does. Sometimes I try to do that. Hindsight is twenty twenty to look back and go, okay, God, I can see why you did what you did and I can see my growth, but sometimes I look back and go, I don't understand why did you do this? 
why did you do this? And those, those are the questions, you know, that people go, okay, I'm going to ask Jesus. When I, get to, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, right, here's my list of 20 questions. God, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? That's when we ask for the grace and the mercy in our time of need. Say, Jesus, I don't understand, but I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to continue to put my faith in you instead of just being afraid that you're going to do and take from me again. Jesus, let me trust you. Let me have faith in you. Because we also need to also realize Jesus understands what we are going through, the loss and the pain that we are feeling. I mean, the clearest reality for me is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, but the evening before he dies on the cross, what is he doing? He is urgently praying so hard and with such agony that he is, he is bleeding sweats of blood, drops of blood, sweating drops of blood because he's in such agony. Heavenly Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through. If there's a different way, if, you can, if we can solve this problem some other way, please let it be. But yet, Heavenly Father, not what I want, but what you want. The reality is Jesus knows the agony that we go through and the loss that we have. And wishing things could be different. And wishing our prayers could be answered the way we want. And if we back up a, a, one more verse in that Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are. So, I don't, so not only does Jesus agonize over the prayer, but Jesus also dealt with the temptations that we deal with as well. There's nothing wrong with having those thoughts of, should I just give up? God is not answering my prayers. Do I just let go? There's nothing wrong with wrestling with those questions. When we make the mistake, when we do the wrong, it's when we give in and say, okay, God's just not going to hear me, so I'm going to just step back whether it's in fear or just hopelessness. We need to say, okay, you know, God, I'm struggling. I'm wrestling with this. And even though I'm struggling and I'm wrestling with the fact that you are just not showing up the way I want, I'm still stepping into this faith. I'm still going to believe that you are true, that you are a great God, that you do miracles that you are a miracle worker, promise keeper, a light in the darkness. So I guess I really did talk a lot about healing there. You can also look and see that in this moment, we also have an impulsive Simon Peter who around the same time told Jesus to leave because he felt so unworthy. He now approaches Jesus for help. 
It's not really clear to us if Simon ever thinks that Jesus can heal her, but he still asks. We should still have, we should also have that same trusting boldness when approaching God. God, I've seen you do this in other people. I've heard your stories, so I'm going to ask. God, I, I don't feel worthy of, of even asking, but I'm going to ask. And when God does show up in the ways that we want or even in the ways that we don't want, Jesus' miracles go beyond making the situation tolerable. He shows us, he showers us with God's blessing. God doesn't just make something borderline, middle of the road. He goes above and beyond in our situation. Sometimes that's what it is all about, that God wants us to, again, relinquish control of our situation and say, God, I trust you with this. I am trusting you in this process. And then he says, thank you for trusting me. Look at what I'm doing through you and in your life. I mean, for Carla and Monray, trusting Jesus turned into four bedrooms at a price range that is probably two bedrooms. Thank you, Jesus. That is a miracle here in Stockholm. That is a parting the Red Sea kind of a miracle in Stockholm. All glory to Jesus. Because he didn't just give you enough. He gave you more than enough. He showers his blessings on them. Because when he went up to her, he took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Some might go, that's a little bit weird. (laughs) She's serving, but that's what she did. She was able to be a turnaround and take the blessing Jesus gave to her and be a blessing back to others. We can also kind of rewind our story a bit again and go back to last week. These guys were helped Jesus by letting him stand on their boat, preach to the masses, and then Jesus said, hey guys, I know you just had a really long day of fishing and you came up empty, but just do me this one solid. Let's go back out to the deep part. Put your nets out. And Simon goes, you know what? If it were anybody else, we would say no. But Jesus, because it's you, we're going to say yes. What did they do? They go out and the, the Bible says that they had so many fish in their net, they had to call in their partners, James and John, to bring their boat to, to load up their nets. Their nets were about to break, that they had an overabundance. Jesus, in his moment of preparation, knowing he was going to say, hey guys, you come follow me, provided for their future needs. I didn't think about that until I was reading through this this week the preparation and the care Jesus had. He is calling them to give up a business that cares for family. And yet Jesus says, hey, even before I call you, I shall provide for you. I shall give you the means that is necessary to help cover your family in this transition time of you guys leaving. Here, Jesus shows Simon Peter that, he, that his care for his family will cover more than just the finances that he goes and touches and heals the mother-in-law. 
Again, the Bible doesn't promise that we will always be healthy or safe, but God will provide when we obey him. And in Peter's case or Simon's case, it apparently it began with knowing Jesus is going to take care of my family. I'm giving up my livelihood to follow him. And Jesus is already taking care of my family. Church, for us, we have to realize that in, in choosing faith over fear, God is going to provide. It may, we may not understand it, we may not see it, but God will provide. There's a large section in Matthew chapter 6 that talks about this. I'm going to kind of just kind of jump through. Matthew 6 and 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Skipping down, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Verse 28, And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor dressed like one of these. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the ungodly run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things, food, clothes, homes, will be given to you as well. So therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Sometimes what God calls us to do in faith will make us worry about tomorrow or the years to come. But when we, as Matthew says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be taken care of. Because as we obey the Heavenly Father, as we obey the King, He shall supply all of our needs. We don't really in our modern world have this understanding of this King idea. Yes, here in Sweden we have a King. But if we go back into the ancient times, if the King told you, go do this and I will take care of it, that's exactly what you did because the King would take care of it. He had the riches, or the queen had the riches, had the financial means to back you to do the things that they've called you to do and asked you to do in their name. So if we as followers of Jesus Christ are attempting to follow him and say, you are my king and I will do what you've asked, I will obey, we should then have the confidence to expect the backing of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, church. We need to step into this faith. Yes, it's going to cost us something, but we have to also understand Jesus will provide. Before, again, before he ever called Simon, Peter, James, and John, and, and all these guys, he provided the financial means they needed for the family to be taken care of. And Jesus didn't just say, hey, oh, I'm sorry, your, your mother-in-law's sick. She'll be okay. Trust me, I know. Jesus goes in and touches her, helps her up and heals her. Folks, Jesus is all about every area of our life. Every area. Jesus doesn't want just Brandon to be saved. 
Jesus wants Brandon to influence his daughter, Amelia, to influence his son, Elijah, to influence their foster child, Luquette. Jesus wants Brandon to influence his co-workers at the auction house he works at once a week. Jesus wants Brandon to influence the guy at the cafe I go sit at and do some work every, every few weeks. Who gives us free bula and, you know, it shows. Jesus wants you to influence the people that you are around. Don't negate the simple fact when Jesus says, hey, smile at that individual sitting across from you in the train. Don't negate that fact. You don't know what they're going through. Jesus does, and maybe you're the bright sunshine in that day. Maybe they might see you again another year from then and realize, hey, you are the one that smiled at me. You changed my life that day. I felt like no one saw me. No one would ever see me. And I just was following Jesus. Jesus loves you and wants you to know that. And boom, you change a life. Because it starts with a simple smile. Ah, God doesn't, you don't know how God works all the time. We can't see behind the curtain. But we have to trust the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Remember, Jesus says, it's better that I leave this world. He tells these disciples, guys, it's better that I go away after spending three solid years with them. Guys, guys, I got to go. It's in your best interest that I go. But guess what? I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you someone. Just wait till the Holy Spirit comes. Because we did the math this last spring. If Jesus was still here on earth and everybody got 60 seconds to spend time with Jesus, we would not, many of us would not get to spend time with Jesus. But yet Jesus said, hey, I'm giving you someone that's going to be with you forever and ever and ever until you come be with us. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He is inside of us. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. As we say yes to Jesus, he's inside of us. So we have to trust that Holy Spirit. We have to step out into that faith when God says, do this for me. Obey me. But God, is going to cost me. But God, I know, okay, it's going to cost me, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. God wants to care for all of our needs, but we have to give him access. If you don't give God access to your life, he can't care for all of your needs. It's as simple as that. So today, my two takeaways, things that I hope that you get out of all this, are this. The first, I hope that we get personal with Jesus. Don't just allow Jesus to call you and follow him, but allow him that full access into your entire house. Like Simon said, hey, my, my mom's, my mother-in-law's sick. Can you come? He gave Jesus access to his full life. Yeah, it's not easy. Giving, giving God full access, you know, is allowing him to speak into our, where should we live? What car should I drive? How should I pay for these things? Where should I go on my vacation? How should I raise my kids? How should I treat my partner, my spouse? How should I speak to my coworkers? How should I spend my free time? It's not 
allowing God to be an all-controlling God. It's allowing Him to influence your life. That your life on a daily basis is is an all-pleasing worship to Him. So I just want to encourage you, let's get personal with Jesus. Today I'm, I'm, I'm trying to peel back some more of the layers of my life so Jesus can have even more access to me. Because I don't want just a few pieces hidden away. I want to expose every area of my life so I can be the best, so I can be the one he's called me to be. And second, just want to ask that simple question, what miracle do you need today? Because I believe he is a miracle worker. I believe that just as Jesus did for Simon Peter's mother-in-law, he can just walk into your situation, not say a word, grab your hand, lift you up, and you're golden. You don't need me. You don't need someone else to, to say some great line of poetry or, or drop a word of knowledge or discernment into your life. Jesus can just come in. The Holy Spirit is there and just, just touch. Just the simple Grab your hand and lift you up. And everything's going to be all right. What miracle do you need today? So this morning, I just want to take a few minutes. Derek, if you can go onto Spotify and just put on some of that worship music that's there on the bottom, he's going to find it for us. We're just going to take a few minutes, and I, I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord today. If you want to come up here and kneel at the chairs in the front, if you want to turn around and kneel at in your chair if you want to come up here and and ask me to pray with you i'll do that but let's take a few minutes and let's respond to the lord okay and then i'll come up and i'll close this in a word of prayer all right
As we close in prayer with everyone's eyes closed, if you're in need of a miracle today, if you could just raise your hand, just want to agree with you in prayer that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the place. Holy Spirit, right now, I just come before you. Come before you, Jesus. We come before you, Father God. We just say, Jesus, Lord, we have these needs that that are here in our body. God, I don't know what needs there are. Imagine maybe there's some needs that are financial. Maybe there are some needs that are relational. Maybe there are some needs that some are in need of a physical healing or a, a, a healing in, within their, the, in their minds, in their, the mental state. God, maybe there's needs that, that are related to work or housing or family situations. Holy Spirit, you know what is going on in the midst of every single situation. And right now, by your divine authority, we just speak life We speak healing. We speak wholeness. We speak restoration. We speak your mercy and grace into each situation that you would give them the wisdom they need through this journey. God, that your miracle working power would show through in their life. Help us to to see what you are doing in our lives, that that the result may not come out the way we are thinking or anticipating, but you know what's best. Help us to step into faith, to give you the situation, and say, God, I trust you with this need. You do what you need to do. You bring about the results that you want brought about, because I trust you. God, help each and every one of those that have a need for you in this miracle to put their faith in you, to put their trust in you, to put their hope in you, and to do as Hebrews said, to go confidently to your throne room, bringing their request to seek your grace and mercy to help them through this process. God, be with us. Bring about the miracle we need. Not the miracle we want, but what we need. God, you be God in our situations. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for doing your work. Lord, again, thank you for what you have done for Carla and Monray to to not only meet their need, but to shower them with blessing. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for doing that. Thank you, Jesus. God, we are excited about what you're doing in their lives. We are also excited to know that that is not the end of who you are. You have more in store, not just for them, but for the rest of us. You have blessings in store for us as we choose faith over fear. As we lean into you, as we step into your presence, God, you will will show us great and mighty things. Things that we never dreamed or imagined. You will give us visions and dreams of the future and of the things that you long for us. Pour out your love. Give us more grace. Give us more mercy, Lord, that we can share your good news 
with others around us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen.